most sermons rely on words for their power. But today and for the next two weeks, we're going to turn to the power and profound nature of silence. Developing a sermon requires the careful construction of words and phrases. It demands taking ideas and meanings and moving them in a focused way toward an inspirational uplifting. Preaching on silence using the traditional format of a word-filled sermon seemed to me a hollow idea indeed. This time together today in which we will spend at least four to five minutes in complete silence is coming out of my own need for silence. I saw some eyes get a little wide when I said that. Quiet, meditative moments spent in searching, silent, in searching silence are so desperately needed in the spiritual life. And I'm admitting that I have not taken enough of it, and I know I need it. My guess is that some of us will feel awkward sitting here together silently. And that's okay, because sometimes we have to feel a little uneasy so that God can get our attention. For those of you familiar with the Quaker tradition, you know that they developed in the mid-17th century in England. The Quakers believed in the priesthood of all believers, and so they didn't really feel a need to have trained and ordained clergy, that everyone was a minister. And they also believed in the need for silence. And so many Quaker meetings, which is a Sunday morning gathering, they would gather in the meeting house, and after sharing a few concerns and what was going on in the world, they would sit together for nearly an hour in silence. That's part of the Quaker tradition. They are called the Friends, the Friends Society. Well, friends, there isn't a one of us this morning who doesn't like to have quiet time, who doesn't need quiet time. My problem is that when I have those moments, I often don't focus on the one thing needful. And the other difficulty is that the world around us is constantly trying to fill up our silences with all sorts of things. A few generations ago, that wasn't the case. Silence was a much more normal part of life, and too much racket was disturbing. But in these days of ours, noise is quite normal, and silence strangely seems to be, at least for some, the real disturbance. I can't tell you how many times at home or in the car I automatically turn on music just to fill up the silence. And television does the same trick. Perhaps that's why so many in our world have so much difficulty with prayer. I believe that for many, many people in this sprinting, Squinting and shoving age of ours, silence may be the most critical shortage we have. Did you know? Did you know that the modern bathtub was invented in 1840 and that the telephone was invented 
1876. That means there were at least 35 years when you could take a bath without the phone ringing. <laughs> it was Blaise Pascal, the French mathematician, scientist, and philosopher, who observed all people's miseries derive from not being able to sit quietly. Now, I recognize that some silence can be painful, uneasy, and frustrating, and that some of us may have a lot of silence. And some silences are distant and cold, even within our own families. But a profound and prolonged silence can be one of the best forms of personal communication. This can be especially true if we know we are in God's presence. We sense an unspoken communion. Silence, as I'm trying to describe it, knowing that my words are going to fall short, is more than a state of not talking. To be silent in God's presence is an act. It's not a passive state, but it's a way of attending without using words. Quiet moments may open us most naturally, most may open to us most naturally in the evening. For some, they may be more fruitful in the morning before the rush hour traffic of our minds takes over. Occasionally, a quiet moment may come unexpectedly in the midst of a busy day, but the important thing is to want them and to want more of them. And to let God know we are open to whatever those times might bring in the way of renewal and direction from God. I find wonderful quiet time each summer up north at our lake when I'm able to get out and go fishing. But that's not enough. As I said earlier, I need more intentional silence in my life each and every day. Perhaps we all need more communion with our inner being and with the eternal one in these noisy hearts of ours. And so instead of the constant chattering and running around today, even here at church, we can, we can find time for each other, time to listen for the renewing voice of God, and time to see what Wordsworth called the harvest of a quiet eye. Be still, cites the psalmist so long ago, and know that I am God. How else can we know it than by sensing silence? Be still and know that I am God. Friends, be silent to God, and God will mold you. Sense silence, and God will make and mold you to become a greater instrument of God's purposes. And now, trusting God and letting go of awkwardness, I want to invite us into a time of silence in whatever way is best and most helpful to you, whether it's with your eyes closed or your eyes open. And I want to use a device that I've used before. And so I'll invite you into silence this way. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Be still 
be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. God is with us even in our silences. And God is with us even when we don't sense it. I want to thank you for sharing these moments of silence with me and with those around you and with God. What we have done today is something that is not always done easily, nor is it done comfortably. I can only say for me, I was able to hear my own breathing and my own heart, and I don't take enough time to do that. And to remember and recall what is most important in my life. I want to now turn briefly to our gospel lesson, which Carol read for us. You remember the story of the transfiguration, how John, James, and Peter were up on a mountain when, with Jesus when Moses and Elijah appeared. And then the voice of God was heard to say of Jesus, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And then in the last verse, I don't know if you caught it, but in the last verse we read, When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silence. And in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Can you imagine the profound and powerful silence they must have sensed? To be so deeply moved by the presence of God is an awesome and indescribable experience, so much so that silence is often the most appropriate response. I suspect that most of us here this morning have at some time in our lives had such a profound religious experience that we have never spoken about it, or if we have, it wasn't until much later. Sensing silence moves toward, embraces, and remembers God's presence. Sometimes the most awesome things in our lives just leave us, as the old saying goes, speechless. Sensing silence on a regular basis is critical in our spiritual life. To not sense silence is to think that our time is too valuable to spend keeping quiet and thus leads to having no time for God or the true caring of others. Suffocating our silence constricts us to self-centered living. In a Danish novel written some years ago is a story of an old peasant who on his deathbed made of his son this strange request that every day his son should go into the best room of the house and sit for a half an hour alone. That was all the father asked of his son. And so the son, having promised his father this unusual thing, did it. And as the story runs, it became a transforming and cherished habit. 
The man looked forward to that time. He thrived on it. He found that it did things deep down with him, and from it came his wisdom and strength. To know that God is God in all our living is what sensing silence is all about. A great pianist was once asked by an admirer, how do you handle the notes as well as you do? And the artist answered, the notes I handle no better than many other pianists. But the pauses between the notes, ah, that's where the art resides. The pauses. Sensing silence. In closing, I want to tell you that the point to this sermon finally falls short. Words cannot tell you the complete point of this sermon. It all has to do with sensing silence, which I cannot do for you. Suffice it to say that if you did not sense God's presence in the silence earlier, it may be a signal that you need to nurture intentional times of silence in your spiritual life. And if you did sense God's spirit and God's presence earlier, keep offering yourself to God in regular moments of silence. For when we do, we will discover the powerful and profound nature of silence. Next week, just a spoiler alert, next week we're going to try it again with a similar period of silence. And until then, I leave you with this poem by the Quaker John Greenleaf Whittier entitled From the Meeting, or Meeting House. And so I find it well to come for deeper rest to this still room, for here the habit of the soul feels less the outer world's control. The strength of mutual purpose pleads more earnestly our common needs, and from the silence multiplied by these still forms on either side, the world that time and sense have known falls off and leads and leaves us, God alone.